0: I just didn't like how it worked you know and just like you said i would have to put so many pieces in place it would never be a finished project you know it would just always be a work in progress and that just kind of turned me off you know i'm a very simple guy so i like things very simple like they work out of the box and we didn't find anything so i decided to kind of just start something on my own
1: welcome to the great investor podcast a podcast about real estate entrepreneurs visionaries and the stories behind the legacies they're creating. I'm your host, Rob Chavez, and on today's episode, I have Sherrod Mehta of Simply. Now, Sherrod is an anomaly in our industry. Not only does he fix and flip 50 plus properties a year, thousands of miles from where he lives, by the way, he's also the owner of a software company. And in fact, it was out of frustration that he started the software company because he was trying to automate his business But there was like no all-in-one solution. He had to try to combine 17 different solutions just to do what he wanted it to do. So he decided to solve that problem and he built Simply. And so this is the interview of what I would think is one of the smartest minds in our industry today. Uh, Somebody that has built a massive portfolio of rentals, fix and flips tons of properties, and owns a software company. So tune in, because I think you're going to learn something. Gred, Today I have the honor and the privilege to have Sharad Meta of RE Simply with us. Uh, Sharad is a friend that I've gotten to get to know over the last year. Uh, we're part of uh, a really cool group called Multipliers, and I was so impressed with what he's been building. And what I love about him is that he has a... Full time working real estate investing business, and he then parlayed that into a software business. So what I wanted to do was invite him on the podcast, share him with you guys, so that we can deep dive a little bit on his journey on and his story. Sherrod, welcome, my friend. Thank you so much for coming to the Grid
0: Podcast. Thank you, Rob, for having me on the call, man. I'm excited.
1: So first, let's let's uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, where you're from, right? I, I, think I live.
0: Go ahead, far away. I live in Toronto, Canada. I am married. I've been 39. I've been with my wife for 21 years now. Um, And uh, I have two kids, five-year-old, and uh, my daughter will be two in July. And I have been investing in real estate full-time since 2011. I invest right outside of Chicago um, in a small market, Northwest Indiana, Lake County, Indiana, if anybody's familiar. And I've been doing. Uh, I started out buying rental properties, then did some wholesale. Now, uh, I still have my rental properties. I do a lot of fix and flip, um, as your typical, you know, on the market. And then also we do uh, turnkey property selling to other investors. And I own a property management business, and of course, on recently.
1: Well, congratulations on that, by the way. And I'm going to pick your brain on that. Um, but how did you end up in Indiana? <laughs> like. How does a boy from Toronto end up in sure. the Indiana? How does that happen?
0: I just moved to Toronto a couple of years ago. So I used to live in Chicago. Uh, okay. I used to live in Chicago. Uh, I went to school in New York. Uh, right after high school, I moved from India to New York. I went to school there. I got a job in Chicago. So I moved to Chicago. Um, and then while I was working, you know, I had some money saved up. So I started looking for some investment opportunities. You know, I dabbled a little bit with stocks, you know, and lost money. I just okay. could not take the ups and downs of the market. Uh so I looked at some other opportunities. I actually read the book uh, uh you know flip. And mm-hmm. then then I read the Millionaire Real Estate Investor by Gary Keller. So that really got me started on the journey of investing in real estate. I wanted to have passive income. So I, you know, I looked in, I I literally just followed the book. You know, the book talks about like have a, a target area within 45 minutes to an hour. It's been you know, a long time since I read it. So I basically, you know, drew a 45 minutes to an hour drive from where I was living in downtown Chicago and Indiana popped up in that. I'm like, well, I didn't, you know, if you're living in Chicago, you don't really care about Indiana, you know? Uh, So unless, you know, you have some work there. So I'm like, oh, I didn't even know I was living right next to a different state, uh, 30, 45 minutes outside. So I started looking at, you know, the pros and cons of investing in Chicago versus investing in Indiana for what I wanted to do. And Indiana just seemed... You know, uh, it made a lot more sense to invest in Indiana versus Chicago. So that's how I started uh, investing there.
1: And did you start wholesaling straight away or were you rehabbing? No, I, like, so,
0: I, I started buying rental properties. I bought rentals. my first property in August 2010. This was, you know, at the bottom, more pretty close to the bottom of the market. I bought my first property, it was a two unit. I think that's, you know, the market 65. I think I made an offer of 20. And I bought it for like 225 or 25000 you know, put 10000 into it, you know, 35 all in roughly and rented the two units for $650, so 1300 a month. I'm like, oh, this is pretty good. You know, I mm-hmm. should do more of this. So I just, you know, I had some money saved up. Uh, so I invested. I borrowed so many from my family, friends and family, you know, on a uh, seven-year amortization, two-year balloon. So I was like really forced to pay down and then just kept buying properties, paid them down. Uh, and then, you know, I got to the point where I needed more cash. And that's when I started wholesaling to generate more cash that I could invest in rental properties. But the goal always was to build passive income. For
1: sure. 100%. Where did where did that come from? Where did that desire come from? I'm just curious.
0: Um, you know, just wanting freedom of time and money. Yeah. Not, you know, I, I was not the best of the employees. So mm-hmm. I didn't really enjoy what I was doing. I was an accountant. You know, I I loved, I loved the company that I was working for, but not necessarily enjoyed the work that I was doing. And, you know, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be a, like a slave to a job, you know, where I had to have this job in order to get some income. So I wanted to have some passive income built on this site. So where even if I were not working, I could have money coming in. Uh, so that's where, you know, it was the goal of getting passive income. Got it.
1: Yeah, it's just yeah. like, hey, I don't want to be a a slave to a wage, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. and I think that yeah. I think that's the thing for most of us, right? Yeah, to get it. Yeah, absolutely. We just we we see that we have the ability to dictate our income, and we don't want to be right. a slave to the wage. And we also know that we can't, you know, uh, hustle and grind forever when it comes to like some of the you know like just doing deals all the time. Like I yep. I always remember saying, I want to be able to do something one time and then get paid for it forever, right?
0: Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. And
1: uh, yeah, yeah wanna, so so wa- kind of walk me through your journey a little bit. Like how many properties did you do? Like how many do you do now? Like what is, kind of walk me through that the evolution of you. Sure.
0: So I owned roughly, as far as my rental portfolio is concerned, I owned roughly about 50 properties. Uh, 90, 95% of the portfolios paid for free and clear. Uh, because that was my, you know, goal from the beginning was, uh, I, I think it had a lot to do with like what happened in two thousand seven eight time period where in the market crash because of all the uh you know the the loans that people have taken so I think that had something to do with my investment strategy you know i'm an accountant, so I totally understand leveraging um you know my money would get me you know two three times the portfolio that I have, but that wasn't my goal. My goal was to have like a you know a sizable portfolio that I could get consistent passive income that I could just live off if I needed to. Uh, So I own about 50 properties that, you know, my rental properties. And now, you know, we do about 30 to 40 flips a year. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, flips, meaning like half would be selling your retail flip to a homeowner. The other half would be selling investment property to a turnkey buyer out of state. Uh, And then our in-house property management company manages the property. Got it. Got
1: it. Interesting. What do the what do the numbers look like in India? And I just out of curiosity. So you buy something for what? You sell it for? Um,
0: yeah, I mean, our, our ideal deal would be buying something for let's say hundred twenty five. Put about fifty into it and sell for about two fifty. Uh, so make about 40 forty forty five. You know, gross profit on the after commissions and stuff uh, on the property.
1: If you're gonna sell it to if you're gonna sell it to somebody that's turnkey, what do those numbers look like,
0: right? Uh, Our turnkey, ideally, the price point would be like one twenty-five to one seventy-five. It's a little bit harder to get those one twenty-five properties, so the price of Mm -hmm. like one fifty to two hundred, and typically the rent would be about one percent of the purchase price in monthly rent. So if it's a two hundred thousand dollar property, you know, rent for about two thousand a month.
1: Wow, you could still you could do that. I mean, it, it, it gets it's just crazy. Harder. Can't do it here.
0: Oh, man. I, I used to buy my properties. I bought some properties with 3% number, if you can imagine, 3 3.5%. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, of course, those are not available in the market anymore. But 1%, I feel like, you know, for when you're selling it to an investor, that, you know, people get excited about, but it's getting harder and harder. You know, like some of the properties we're selling for, say, 150 might be renting for one, you know, 1300 to 1350 1400 a month uh, but if you can get 1% then you know we definitely it, it sells very quickly
1: what is what is the tenant like in indiana with those numbers i'm just curious um meaning i'll i'll, t- I'll tell you why i'm asking that when i got started that i i 2005 i was buying properties and selling them to turnkey to investors okay and uh, it was in a submarket outside of washington, d c, two hours away from where I lived, and we could buy something for you know, let's just say, look, I'll give you an example. I could buy a duplex for twenty five thousand dollars, which is kind of crazy, right? right? And end up uh, putting maybe ten into it and then selling it to an investor for like seventy five thousand somewhere around there, right. And, right and each side was renting for about uh, five hundred to five fifty a month, right? Wow. Well. And so on paper, that looks great. But the way it actually yeah. panned out over time was because the asset was old. The, these assets are older buildings. The tenants are hard on those buildings. Right. Uh, the the market de- doesn't really appreciate. It's like, God, you know, like...
0: And that, it's not the best tenant that, you know, you right. really would want to manage. I mean, so what we look for is, like, we want to get minimum... You know, we want to rent properties where we could get minimum $1,000, 1000 to 1200 a month in rent. If you like, you know, a family or, you know, a tenant that can afford to pay $1,000 to $1,200 a month, you know, would be making about, you know, uh, combined household income would be about fifty to $75,000 at a minimum. You know, those are like good quality tenants, you know, blue collar, uh, you know, they might be working, uh, in you know retail or they might be working in food service industry um but yeah once we get to you know the rental monthly rental of 500 to 750 range or lower it's mm-hmm. you know we've noticed in our experience its we, we don't get the good quality tenants i mean those you know those neighborhoods generally don't tend to be very good uh, you know i do have some of those properties i mean the rent has gone up since i bought those properties uh but yeah, those have always been the trouble, you know. At least in our market, if if you can get thousand or over, um, you know, those are pretty good properties, pretty good tenants.
1: I think that's great advice. I wish somebody had given me that advice uh, a decade, right. ago, a decade ago, right? <laughs> uh, I learned I learned that lesson the hard way, and I realized that those single family houses where the rents were higher
0: definitely did right. better
1: for us over time.
0: Yeah, yeah, they right. might not seem so good on paper, but generally over long term, they'll perform better because you'll have less capital expenses. You know, tenants will tend to stay longer. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so you, you'll make more money in the long term. There'll be more appreciation. Um, that's, that's what we've noticed at least in our market in Indiana.
1: Fascinating. Fascinating. So, so let's, let's uh, fast forward a little bit now and figure out how did you decide to start RE simply? Like, where did this come about? Right. The, by the way, Full disclosure, we've been using RE simply. Absolutely love it. So cool Thank because um, one of the things that uh, I noticed was as I built other businesses, you're always kind of like piecemealing lots of different software together yeah. to be able to make a solution work. And here, it's so pleasantly surprised that we could do everything within right. your software, right? Direct mailing uh, the calls, the phone numbers, like everything could happen out of the yeah. accounting, for God's sake. So I, how, how did this come about?
0: Yeah. So in 2015, August 2015, I moved to California, San Diego. Um, and, you know, I, I still had my active business. My wife, you know, she got a job. yes and family. So we decided to move. Had I not moved, I probably would have never started the company. Because I might not have seen the need because I was so involved in the business that I never, you know, had an opportunity to kind of step away from it. But in this case, I was forced to step away from the business and look at it from really like, you know, however many thousand miles away. Uh, So I started looking at my business. I'm like, oh, shoot, you know, I need some good systems and processes because I have this team, you know, we've been doing since the beginning. We've been doing a lot of rehabs. Um, So I started looking at, Okay, you know, I would need you know, a CRM. I would need something to do marketing. I would need like a phone system. I would need something to manage my contractors. And then I come from an accounting background and then the KPI tracking was very important. You know, I, I wanted to I wanted to be able to make decisions based on the numbers. You know, uh, if I'm doing calls with my team, I want to look at the numbers rather than, you know, the stories or opinions of, you know, uh, the team members. Uh, so I started looking at the solution and we didn't find anything, you know. Um, most of the people were using Podia at that time. Mm-hmm. and it just i didn't i didn't like the interface you know i just didn't like how it worked you know and just like you said i would have to put so many pieces in place it would never be a finished product, you know it would just always be a work in progress and that just kind of turned me off uh you know i'm a very simple guy so i like things very simple like they work out of the box and we didn't find anything so i decided to kind of just start something on my own and the initial version of the product so you know, I started building it out in 2016, I believe, you know, a few months after I moved. um, I mean, I hired some developers. So the initial version was very much geared towards scope of work, building scope of work, you know, project management side of it. So that, because that was a big part of our business, it still is. And then, you know, we moved to the CRM side of it, like marketing, you know, the managing phone numbers. Uh, And then in 2000. Towards the end of 2019, 2020, so like a couple of years ago, we actually started opening it up for other people. So I was I used it for like two years for myself. Hmm. And then I was part of a couple of masterminds. I started opening it up for other people. And they're like, oh, this is pretty cool. Can I use it? Can I use it? And then we can kind upgrade of from there. But, but the original idea was to just have one system that I could log in and essentially run my entire business from and then have really good kpis on my in my business i you know i hate like having to log into multiple systems you know doing all these integration i just I, I i personally don't like it i figured other people you know would not enjoy that either uh you know nobody gets up and say man i can't wait to do some integrations today uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that's
1: right that's right yeah okay, so that was, was like, the... I have to zap it into this like, i know right yeah
0: oh, yeah crazy so that was the that was the idea and then you know it kind of grew into what it is now you know we working with over a thousand uh companies from all over the country you know some like pretty large companies doing 20-25 deals a month so it's pretty exciting now you know with the direction we're going in and some other things that we have planned for the future next year year and a half so super excited
1: yeah and and you said something and i and i noticed this right you said i'm a pretty simple guy and i like simple things right and i'm right there with you right there's so many you know uh what what software did I look at the other day? Oh, I was looking, I was just looking at believe it or not, I was I was went into Monday. I was looking at Monday.com, right? right? And immediately I got turned off because right. it, it, it it there was too much for me to have to build and do yep. within Monday. Exactly. Right? right. And um and so I was a like, man that like somebody needs to learn how to simplify this within Monday or like Right. Develop it for somebody. And, and that's what you've been able to do with RE simply,
0: right? Just yeah, like. exactly. That was that was the idea from the beginning. I mean, we, you know, I was very intentional about naming the company pretty simply because the idea was always was we have to build something simple. You know, like in our, you know, you, you have uh, you know, we a lot of people initially used to move over from podio. Uh they would switch over from podio, um, and they would say, Hey, you know, in podio I can add these different statuses you know can i do that in your system we said no there's a reason why we built it the way we have and you know once you start using it you will realize you don't just because you have the option to customize something doesn't mean you should you know mm-hmm. like it, it doesn't really add, like so the the challenge with some of these systems you know Podia year now we're noticing you know some people switching over to Simply from you know system built on Salesforce, for example um you know it, it's never a finished product with Something that's built on, you know, Podio or Salesforce because it's they're trying to cater to everyone and it ends up being for nobody in particular. Like our system is built specifically for real estate investors. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not built for real estate agents. It's not built for property managers. You know, it's not built for contractors, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we have people that are agents using our platform, but we tell hey, it's not built for agents. Yeah, you know, we plan to roll out an agent edition you know, later on this year, early next year, but, you know, so once people come in and they realize that everything is pre-built for me, you know, maybe the options that I have to customize something, you know, I just, you know, you you were just unnecessarily making those decisions when you didn't really have to make those decisions. You know, you could just log in and then just start using, you know, there was not this information overload where, Logging or like, you know, just a perfect example. All of the, the decision making
1: stuff. So, yeah. yeah, You know, exactly. it's so interesting. Right before I jumped on here, I um, I was reflecting on on our launch with um, with the investment company that we just launched, right? Right. And I, and for those that don't know, like you know, in this podcast, years ago, our business Casa started purely as an investment business. And we would buy 20 to 25 houses a year, renovate those houses, sell them to other investors, turnkey, key. And then okay. over time, I migrated that to the agent side uh, for varied reasons, trailing liability, lots of different things. Uh, I, I knew I was good at that side of the business. Um, but along the way, I had a partner that wanted to launch uh, an investment business that was just focused on wholesaling and, and rehabbing. And they spent so much time – and I said, great, guys. You guys want to do that? Go for it. You could go do it. I'll give you some consulting, but I'm busy building this other thing. My brain can only focus on one thing at a time at a really high level. I don't want to be distracted. I've already done that. And um, they spent so much time building out a system of podio. Right? right. And then like vacillating over how the integrations were gonna work. Exactly. And then how the zaps were gonna work. And then what the follow-ups and, and I mean like months. And with this, literally turned it on and we started direct mailing, like we got all the phone, yep. like we purchased phone and we started direct mailing within the first week, knowing that everything was just gonna be flowing right back exactly. into the system
0: like that. Exactly. That was that was the idea. You know, something so cool. The thing is like people spend people spend... Too much time think making decisions that don't really add value in my opinion like for example i have three of these hoodies right i wear the same hoodie every day and i'm wearing the same t-shirt recently t-shirt i have like 10 of those every day i get up i don't have to think about it you know nobody nobody really cares right i mean if i ask you like we, we just hung out with a couple of months ago two and a half months ago do you remember what i was wearing no right? exactly it doesn't it doesn't matter right those are the things that do not add any value like, I don't remember <laughs> what you were wearing, you know, I and nobody, nobody cares. But, yeah, but for it cares. me, yeah, it's just, it's like, I don't have to think about it. I get up and I just, I'm ready to work. I'm not but, loading my mind with these decisions. I do the same thing. That was the idea with, you know, building recently, where people don't have to think about it. You know, when, when somebody says, hey, can I customize? We say, no, you know, that's, that's not an option. Here's the reason. There's a reason for it. You know, just not, you know. We just thought about it hey let's just make it because it's easier no it's actually more difficult to build it the way we build it but there's a very specific reason for it and and once people see that you know especially teams that are doing high volume you know 10 15 20 deals a month using our system they're like oh, i love it because you know i don't have to think about all the integration part of it i don't have to make the decision it just built just for my business and i can get so many cool things because you know i don't have to think about it and then the way we build the system
1: We're gonna come back. We're gonna come back to the system, but uh, and I and I want want to talk to you about the accounting KPIs and ROI because that's the piece that I'm really excited about. um, As soon as we start collecting more data, but I want to go back in time a little Mm -hmm. bit, right? I want to I want to unpack a little bit about your journey as a real estate entrepreneur, uh, as an investor, as a software like you know software. company owner, which I'm told is really friggin' hard, right? Like that is really I hard. So, you know, how did you fund all this stuff? Did you fund it out of your own pocket? Did you go raise capital? I mean, like, did you ever hit a time as an investor or in the software business where you were like, this is hard, like I can't do this, right? Or has it always been really yeah. easy for you?
0: Yeah. I mean, do you want me to talk about how many times today? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right no, it, it, it's good now but uh but it's funny when you know i joined multipliers um the first year i attended was 2019 right this is feb 2019 i come to this event i had already decided that after the event i was going to wrap up the company i was just going to mm. give up it wasn't going anywhere it was just like not you know i didn't have direction for where i wanted to take it you know, it was working great for me. So I was just going to kind of keep it as just something for myself, but not think long. I think, you know, after attending the Multiplier, I talked to some other people, you know, that were doing much bigger things than me. It just kind of, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to give it my all and then just make something really big out of it. I think it's like 2019 is when we really started kind of thinking long-term. I mean, I, like, as, you know, as the, the owner founder of the company, I own 100% of the company. I bootstrapped it. You know, we don't have any outside investment. Uh, We've had people approaches about that, but, you know, we've we've not needed that. Uh, I mean, now the business is cash flow positive, but, you know, we take the money, put it back into the business. Um, But yeah, man, I mean, just for me, I think some of the challenges have been, and even if I look at my real estate investing business, you know, not just software business, I wasn't thinking long enough and I wasn't thinking big enough. Mm-hmm. I think that was mm-hmm. a, that was a challenge that I ran into. I was just I was just kind of thinking of you know maybe next three months, six months, or a year. I wasn't thinking about okay the decisions that I'm making today. How would it impact me five, ten years down the road? Mm-hmm. I think now I'm starting to think more about that, and then just being uh, distracted with too many shiny objects. I think the book, the one thing, has really helped me. You know, that's a book that I read at least once a year, every year, just to kind of, you know, remind myself, okay, just focus on your one thing, just be world class at one thing, rather than, you know, trying to do 10 different things. Uh, So, you know, rather than creating one product for investors, agents, property managers, contractors, just create one really awesome product for real estate investors, specifically people that are doing marketing for their business. I think those things... You know, they, they have been very expensive lessons, um, you know, where in, you know, lost opportunity cost and then just, you know, not thinking long enough and just jumping into it and then realizing that, Oosh, you know, I actually didn't need this. So going mm-hmm. back to the drawing board and just thinking through it, okay, how should I have, you know, developed this? Uh, so those have been very, very expensive lessons. And I, it you know, it's easier said than done. Um, you know, I, I still run into that trap of being in the business rather than, you know, working on the business. And I think one thing we we talk about as a company is, you know, for us, we have to keep in mind that we're responsible to our end customer, which is a real estate investor, right? We're all working in the company. However many people we have at the end of the day, our goal is to serve real estate investors, right? So I'm the CEO of the company. I had to talk with my support team, you know, this, this morning, you know, we let go of one person who wasn't like doing a good job. And, and I said, look, you know, we have to, we can't take anything we're doing for granted. You know, I have to get up every day and think like, I have to earn the job that I have. You know, I have to earn this, you know, job of CEO and founder of the business. You know, I can't just take it for granted. So that's, you know, I have to look at it. Okay. Am I doing Am I serving the company in the best way I can as a CEO or could somebody else come in and do a better job and take the company forward, you know, Mm -hmm. farther along than I can? You know, that's a decision that I want everybody in my team to think about that it's just not a job. You know, know, we have a bigger purpose that we're trying to solve. You know, we're we're trying to, you know, move real estate investor industry forward. We're trying to take it forward with, you know, the things that we have planned so it cannot be a job for us. You know, we, we have to make sure okay, are we doing you know, are we doing it the best we can do, or are we doing it the in the best way that can ever be done by anybody? You know, mm-hmm. that, that's what I want our team to think mm-hmm. about. And I think that's where we haven't sometimes made the best decisions in the past, but, you know, I mean, it's, it's always, you know, I mean, that is always a work in progress. You know, you have to get up every day and think about, okay, what can I improve today? You know, what did I do yesterday that I can do better today? Uh, if you do that, you know, if you make that small progress every single day, you know, and we're willing and eager to do that, then things will get better.
1: Sure. Let me, let me ask you, because this is, because I have two things and I think you have two things, but maybe you have one thing, maybe you really have one thing and, uh, uh, and you you've changed it in your mind a little bit, but you currently run a software company and you run an investment company, right? right? And so those are two things, unless you're thinking in your mind, I run a software company and really the the investment company is there as beta testing the software company, right? That could be a way to right. look at it. And you've got somebody right. else that's completely
0: running the investment
1: company. So how much time are you dedicating, you know, one endeavor over another? What what does that look like? I'm just curious.
0: I mean, big big majority of my time is spent in in recently. You know, we mm-hmm. everybody on my team on the investing side is running the business from recently. So, mm-hmm. you know, everything like that I'm talking about, I use it in my business oh, and we yeah. run our daily hurdles, our meeting, weekly meetings out of reassembly. Um and then Yeah, it's really it's, it's great. Aud-
1: you are your customer, right? You are yeah, like literally you're testing it every, every single day yeah. against absolutely. your business.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I use it every single day. You know, we've automated our business to the point where I don't have to spend as much time. You know, if I'm spending more than half hour, a day on my investing business that's something on average then something has gone wrong in the business if i mm-hmm. if i need to spend more than you know like two and a half three hours per week in my investing business that something is not working in our business uh, property management business is very very automated like i do call with my property management team like once a week per half hour and that's it there's no more involvement like you know i give them profit share in the business they make the decisions i've some big things that they want to talk about. Then I get involved, but outside of that, they do all of that. And even in Simply, like it's very specific. My, my role is, you know, like within everything that we can do is product development that, like, mm-hmm. what are the next things we should be building on? How it should integrate with everything that we have just that's it. Like I'm not very involved in marketing. We have a CMO in the business. You know, we have somebody that runs our customer support. We have a CTO in the business. So everybody has their own role. You know, I, I, you know, I, we look at the numbers, you know, in a regular meeting just to make sure everything is uh, trending in the right direction. But my role within Simply is very, very specific to like product development. Like what are the next things we should be building that will add the most value to real estate investors? Got it
1: let's 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 unpack something you said because i want people to hear this right you've been able to build an investment business that requires maybe 3 to 4 hours a week at right. most in that at investment most. right in that in that investment business and and that investment business is doing
0: what three, 30 to 40
1: 30 to
0: 40 yeah. a a
1: year right right and and you've automated that thing like so, right. walk us through a little bit about what is what are the roles within that organization, and how do they integrate within RE simply?
0: Yeah, so we have um, so in my business in Indiana, we have only two people that are local in the market. One mm-hmm. would be my acquisition manager, the other would be the lead manager, and then so mostly we do fix and flip. We we don't really wholesale much. Maybe like a couple of deals a year that we would wholesale. So we do about 30, 40 rehabs. And these are big rehabs, like 40, dollars dollars 60000 And our project manager actually lives in California, if you can imagine. Mm-hmm. So she's managing everything from California from recently. And last time she was in California was like eight and a half, two years ago. I think pre-COVID. She's actually flying out next week uh, to just meet the contractors. So it's very virtual. And then we have four people based in Philippines. So I'm an acquisition manager. You know, she's in, we simply once, you know, the property guest gets into appointment set stage. Uh, but anything before that, then we have the lead manager working on, you know, new lead coming in or somebody that we need to push to the appointment set stage. And then we have uh, the project manager. She is in California. She's managing all our rehabs, you know, scope of work, making sure projects are moving along, you know, uh, getting on the market as quickly as possible. And then team in Philippines are doing marketing. And then making sure that our mail is going out on time. You know, the list that we have in our business, you know, those are stacked properly. You know, we're not marketing to somebody that we should not, you know, we're marketing to the most targeted list that we have in our business. So everybody has a very, you know, defined role. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, as long as everybody is doing what they need to be doing in the business, you know, then things should move along. It's like, you know, the four wheels in a car, you know, as long as every wheel is moving forward then the car is moving forward but if you take out one wheel then you know the whole car stops so um yeah and then you know we have all the the kpis that we can track within the simply and then you know we make our decision based on that
1: based on that interesting so let me see if i can just kind of spit this back out to you a little bit for those that are listening so you've got uh three or four virtual assistants in the philippines and they're doing marketing and um and when that marketing goes out, right, you do it through RE Simply, that marketing goes out, people are going to call in through one of the phone numbers phone number, that they can purchase right. from RE Simply, right? That lead's going to come directly into the into the yep. CRM. And then you have, so, uh, a, 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 you called a lead manager, is that what it is? Manager. But is that like an yep. ISA inside salesperson, you know? That, yeah, essentially,
0: yeah. Essentially? Essentially,
1: yeah. Who who picks who picks up the phone and and follows up and probably goes through a script with that
0: particular person. Yeah, I mean the inside. You no, know, so then uh, for us, the person in Philippines initially, uh, we use call porter, um, you know, to answer the call. But if they're not available, then we would have somebody from our team in Philippines answer the call, and then you know would go over to so once the lead is created, somebody is interested, then it would go over to the local lead manager, and then. The number one job for the lead manager would be to book an appointment for the acquisition person. Mm-hmm. That's the number one job is to book as many appointments, as many qualified appointments as possible for the uh, acquisition person.
1: Acquisition And the acquisition manager is at ground level in Indiana. Yep. They go yep. out, they go out on the appointment, develop the purport, oh, exactly. get the contract signed, do all that stuff. Okay, great. You guys have the property in a contract. You then settle on that property because you're not wholesaling. them you're renovating them. And um the, I would assume that that lead manager is uh, probably understands at that at this point in time what something's going to cost, or is there or are they bringing in their contractor?
0: contractor. So yeah. every okay. contract, pretty much every I should say every contract pretty much every contract that we sign is contingent on a contractor walkthrough. Cause we're not really wholesaling, you know, we are closing on these properties. Mm-hmm. So we want to make sure, our, and very rarely we'll get a pushback on that. People understand, you know, if you're buying a property that, you know, a legit company, you want to have a contractor do a walkthrough. So they're more than okay with that. And then that's where, you know, let's say we get something under contract. Uh, my project manager would get involved. She would arrange for the contractor to go out, look at the property, get the numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll get like 48 to 72 hours to make the decision and then go from there. Got it, and then right. and
1: then uh, you settle, and then it's the project manager who lives in California's job to make sure that that contractor is doing what they're supposed to be doing on on time, on task, the whole nine yards. Yeah, exactly. that's 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 the machine, right? That's, that's the it. Machine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you probably, I mean, it's they have a local realtor, or some somebody like that, dispose of the asset,
0: exactly. to list. Yep, exactly, mm-hmm. to put the properties on the market. Yeah. Huh. So yeah, and, I mean everybody kind of has a very defined role in the business. And as long as they do that, then things progress.
1: In in my business, and this is, you know, getting into some nitty-gritty stuff, but in my business, I I understand some kind of like basic framework numbers, right? Like for example, for every three appointments that agents go on, I know that results in a closed transaction. For every 20 people in our database, I know that results in a closed transaction. I'm curious as to whether or not you've come up with any kind of rules of thumb within your business where you say, "Listen, for every uh, x amount of uh, pieces of mail that we send out, we get a, a te- you know, there's that you know, in in oh, maybe, Facebook, like adver- yeah, exactly. Facebook advertising, yeah, exactly. Facebook advertising, like they they call it a ten percent rule. It's like ten percent of your of your uh, of, of of the leads that come in are actually going to result in." appointments and 10% of those appointments right. are actually built
0: in a closed transaction.
1: I, I'm just curious if you have any rules, rule of thumb for your market.
0: Yeah. I mean, typically, the response rate would be about, you know, depending on how many mails you send out, it would be about 0.5 to 1%. So if you send out thousand mailers, you know, you would get about like five to 10 calls on that. I right. uh, just, roughly, you know, I mean, the more competitive, the market is the lesser sure. the number of calls you will get. Um, and then, you know, for us goal is if you go on an appointment, then there should not be any reason why we're not making an offer. I mean, Mm -hmm. we don't make an offer on every single property, but if you go on an appointment, then we should make an offer on the property. But for us, the biggest, you know, number at the end of the day is for every dollar that we're putting into a specific campaign, how much money are we bringing back into the business? You know, we might get You know, we send a thousand pieces of mail, We might only get one person calling us back, but then we end up making $100,000 from it. You know, so that's for us, it's over time, how much money have we spent into that specific marketing campaign, whether it be, you know, we track based on each list that we're mailing. So if we're mailing, let's say direct mail, how much money are we spending on absentee list? You know, based on the uh, different campaigns, we can track where the leads are coming from, how much money are we spending, how much money are we making? So for us, we like to see at a minimum three x return on the marketing dollars that we're putting in. Uh, Direct for us right now is about four and a half to five, uh, roughly. Um, mm-hmm. PPC right now is performing really, really well for us. Like mm-hmm. in our market, you know, we we just switched over to a new uh, PPC service company. So it you know it could be beginner's luck or whatever it might be, but our return right now is like over ten x. On the PPC spend that we have so far, uh, mm-hmm. but direct mail tends to be the most consistent in the long term. Um, mm-hmm. And based on my experience, based on you know other investors that I've talked to, um, it generally takes about four to six mailings to the same list to get a property under contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, there's so many variables. Uh, for example you know, if you do not start with a good list, if you start with the list of people that just bought their property in last year, and they have 100% equity, they just paid cash, you know, like no matter how many times you mail them, there's a very, 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 very rare chance that you'll get a property from that. So you have to start out with buying the right marketing list, and then just being consistent with that marketing. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have the right marketing list to begin with, then you know, people ask, like, which marketing should I start with? We always say the one that you can stick with the longest. <laughs> whatever it might be, whatever, no, no. you know. Like, if if you are going to start with cold calling, but it's not in your personality to just be on the phone, call people randomly, mm. then don't do that. Because you're going to okay. give up in a month. You're never going to do texting, and then you don't feel comfortable about all the compliance issues. And don't do that. You know, for us, okay. like, it just direct mail, PPC. just works perfect with my comfort level, you know, my... You know my personality that hey we're sending out direct mail you know we're doing ppc and then people are calling us we do cold calling and texting also but we notice like most of our deals are coming from direct mail and um and ppc for us yeah but uh, but yeah i mean like starting with the right list and then you're consistent with that list you know whatever marketing choose like it's just a matter of time before you get a deal from it you know if
1: would it come full circle back into into uh, re simply and looking at the ROI on your marketing spend? Right, like you you you've got a dashboard and that dashboard is telling you it starts telling you what your KPI like it starts learning and then giving you exactly like what what and reflecting what's happening in the business, which I love because then it's like you could tune what's going exactly. on. Uh, I'm curious when you guys are like when you worked out the algorithm for the ROI and the marketing spend, did you guys also include or, uh, the um, what well, we call them the ISA is the inside salesperson, but the lead manager's salary into that because I, I I think that may have to get calculated in.
0: Yeah, so you know it it so for us what we do like for example if we're pulling a list right and we're gonna use the same list to for direct mail, cold calling, and to SMS for example. Then what we would do is when we're allocating the expense, we'll allocate one third to direct mail, one third two cold calling one third mm-hmm. to SMS. But if we have somebody you know that's strictly doing cold calling, then their salary would get allocated to cold calling. Um, you know it would end up in marketing. Um, so it's you know for me, like for example, if you have an ISA who's taking the call, like for example, we use call porter, right? They're taking mm-hmm. all our inbound call. Now they might end up taking calls that are coming in from direct mail you know, from PPC, from, you know, the cold people we cold call, people we text it, you Mm -hmm. know, if you're doing TV ads, radio ads. So it's kind of, it gets very tricky to allocate. So what we might do is we might just put it in the other campaign. Mm -hmm. This is other, but we know what it is. Uh, But the more you allocate to a specific campaign, the better your data would be, you know, what we pay cold calling. uh, With what we pay uh, calls for, you know, we put it into other. But if we have somebody who's making cold calling for us, and their main role is cold calling for us, then their salary would go into cold calling. But then you can decide if you want to put it into specific campaigns. If they're Mm -hmm. calling, you know, absentee layers, probate layers, if you want to like do that. Or you can just do cold calling others. So overall, you know how much money you're making from cold calling. And then you can also look at the campaign specific data. I love it. I love it.
1: Well, Sherrod, our time is almost up, man. I can keep asking you questions. No, man, Most of the questions fine. are like selfish for me, like wanting to learn more, but I oh, know I know it's, it's going to be valuable, call. right? Right. Um, I appreciate your time. Is there anything that I haven't asked you or is there anything that you would like, you know, our our Grid family to know about uh, RE Simply um, that I just haven't asked you?
0: Um. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess I would say like, simply is built for people that are doing marketing in their business like that are doing some sort of lead gen um you know whether they want to wholesale that property or whether they want to you know fix and clip or they want to uh you know buy it and rent it out eventually if you're doing marketing i think what we have built it's a solution that's going to help you close more deals than you know having to having to work on a bunch of different software you know sometimes just because. People have options to, you know, ability to customize something. It's really not the best use of your, you know, time and valuable. You know, um, like for us, our goal is we want real estate investors to focus on closing more deals rather than working on the software side of it. You know, let us handle the tech side of it. You know, you close more deals rather than working on a system that's not built for investor. You know, that's good for on Podio, for example that you're going in and like constantly working on integration. You know, that's, is that really the best use of somebody's time and effort? You you know, what's so fascinating
1: is as you, as you were having this discussion with me, what came to mind was that uh, you're my business partner. You're my tech business partner. Exactly. And um, because I also know that you create a lot of videos on how you actually not only use the software, but how you actually do investing, right? How do you do real estate investing? So, I think that's awesome, right? It's like I have a built-in business partner that's ha- handling all the back-end support uh, for the tech and the accounting piece. And, um, oh, that's a question because we haven't done the the accounting piece. I, you, do you have to have a bookkeeper to help with that or is it just pretty?
0: Not yeah. not really. I mean, you know, again, the, the way we build the system, is like, again, QuickBooks is another example. QuickBooks is built for everyone. So mm-hmm. it ends up being for nobody in particular mm-hmm. you know our system is built specifically for real estate investors you know like the the terminology that we use it's specifically for real estate investors like we don't we don't have anything that's called class you know in real estate uh in increased simply you know like you have in quickbooks uh so our system is like very standardized but right out of the box you log in and you can start using it uh, i have an accounting degree so it's kind of you know hard for me to say how easy it is <laughs> we, we have a lot of people using our system that do not come from accounting background and they're able well, to figure it out pretty easily
1: we'll yeah. dig into it we'll dig it I'm sure yeah. it's gonna be just fine. I mean we you know we run everything on QuickBooks right now so right. it'll be fun to see because I'm I'm literally like I think I told you that I've got Mike is 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 really this is a, a test for me to be like how easy right. can we set this up launch it run it and then I, you know, then build pods, right? Like I'd love to yeah. build, build, you know, a team of four, you know, in, in one market, another team of four or five in another Absolutely. market, right? So, yeah. um, Sherrod, thank you so much for spending time with Absolutely me. Absolutely. Right. Thank you so much you. for
0: having me on the call, man. It was really great. I really enjoyed talking to you. Same here. Same here. Thanks, always, always,
1: I always learn something when I'm talking to you. So thank you.
0: Yeah. Okay. No, thank you so Bye. much, man. Thanks.